Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. Show this morning, I got Patrick Mulvaney, who is the chef owner of Mulvaney's BNL in Sacramento, as well as the co-founder of Family Meal Sacramento. Patrick, thanks for taking some time. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're you're a busy guy, and we're gonna get into that because some of the numbers you were throwing out of me of what you guys are doing was blowing my mind. So want to give uh, people just quick background. You have a restaurant, simple restaurant in Sacramento, chef owner doing your thing, you know, in the weeds, getting your teeth kicked in on the daily basis. All of a sudden this happens, huge, huge shift. And you told me you had to lay off, you know, 54 people. And then for you, you went into action. And this is what I want to focus on because restaurants are so quick to go into action. You partnered up with a few other restaurants, and we'll we'll give them some uh, acknowledgement as well, and started Family Meal Sacramento. So take us back to that time. You're going through planning spring menus, all of a sudden you're laying off people, and then you make this transition. Get us into that moment for you. Yeah, so we're ready for we're ready for uh, asparagus to come in. All the cooks are afraid of uh, English peas and favas coming because they know that means shucking all day, all night. Oh yeah. And then as COVID started to come we started to make decisions and try to figure out how to keep everyone safe and healthy and our decisions it got to a point where the decisions we made in the morning were obsolete by four o'clock at night and so by that second week in in uh, march it was clear that we were closing and so yeah 54 people to lay off if you're a chef you your job is to know what to do and your job is to tell other people what to do and here's the first time where i had to say I don't know this promise I made that you'll have employment. I can't keep, and I don't know when it's going to come back. So that's pretty challenging. And then the other thing was, well, what do we do with all these people who are antsy? So what we said was, there's antsy cooks, empty restaurants, farms all around us filled with food, and hungry people. So let's put it together. And so we talked with folks at schools, and uh, elderly people, and people in low-income complexes, churches. And said, "Would you take food if we if we have it for you?" And they said, "Yes." So we started Sacramento Family Meal. That first week, we did 400 meals a day, uh, just to see how it was how it would work. And now we're up to about 800. And there's five restaurants. So we're and soon to be probably 25 or 30 next week, and then we hope up to 100 the week after that with a program from the governor. The number of restaurants involved up to that? Yeah. Uh-huh. So and, wow. and those restaurants, when they get there, that's the governor's plan is uh, we'll be making breakfast, lunch and dinner for uh, uh, 50 packages of those a day. We can make 100 maybe, but for new restaurants, just to make sure they don't go wrong. So they'll be and but they're getting paid right by FEMA. And so we'll be able to spend the money out in the farms. Yeah, that's been a nice piece of, of figuring out a way to support financially, because here's the thing about hospitality people. They're completely decimated. The industry is decimated. The humans, 54 of your humans in hospitality are laid off. Yet their first instinct is, chef, how can I get back in the kitchen and help out? Can I donate right. my food? It's unbelievable. It's 
So, so what? And, and we tell people while the uh, cost of goods sold is outstanding, the cash flow is horrible at the moment. The uh, but really, what drove us then is that that second thing in the first week that really pissed me off was that I realized that some of the folks that are working who are undocumented, anyone who's undocumented, wasn't eligible for unemployment. They pay for unemployment insurance, but they couldn't get it, and they they're eligible for. Family Medical Leave Act, if they had kids at home, they're eligible for food stamps, but they won't take it because they're told that if it shows up on their record, they'll never get a chance to be a permanent resident. And uh, so that really just angered me. So the first week, really, again, with no money coming in, we just made sure that we brought back uh, those folks who are, who are on our job just to make sure that everybody has, has some sort of safety net, right? Just to make sure, not even knowing that we were going to pay them or not, but at least they're going home with a bag of food at the end of the night. Yeah, that makes all the difference. And, and aren't they the backbone of our industry? So many. Like, we cannot pretend or under, undervalue people at every level and every kind of status. Like, we just were built upon like that community. So I think that's And now all of a sudden, these people that you thought were other, oh. now you realize that they are the essential workers. And so for us, the, one of the big incentives for this, for this program, for the governor's program is to be able to spend the money on the small farms because as, as if it's 10% in restaurants, the percentage of undocumented is even higher out in the fields. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's, let's back up and talk about a couple of those other core restaurants. And it's amazing. You have a team of five restaurants that now could potentially turn into, you know, a hundred restaurants that are stamping out this model. So who are those five restaurants and why was it important for those restaurants to be a part of this kind of nucleus? Well, Camden, uh, so Cannon, East, in ESAC, Brad Checky and uh, Clay Nutting, his partner, just were the ones who came and said, hey, this is an idea, and let's, what do you think about start feeding, feeding them? So I, I, Brad worked for me years ago when he first got out of uh, CIA, and so he was happy to work with me, but he knew as we moved forward that, that I'm just going to barrel through and do it the hard way, and because of all the scars that he's left on him from me, He's much better at organizing, so we knew we would make a good team. Um, and then uh, Camden Spit and Larder and Alora, uh, Deneb Williams and Oliver Ridgeway, and then our friends at Bincho Yaki, Craig and Toki Sawada, uh, all said, "Hey, chef, what do we do? How do we get into this? How do we how do we help? We have an empty yeah. restaurant, and what are we doing?" So for us, it didn't seem that takeout would have been okay, except for it only bring back four people. Out of 54, not enough to, uh, for me to really make a difference. And this, this is a way to make a difference in the community. And so we just, so Brad and Clay were good. And they said, let's go figure out how to raise money. And I said, I don't know. I'm not sure about raising money. Let's go figure out how, see if we can get money from relief money from the government. And so we each went forward in our own ways. Those guys methodical, on paper, really good, me just blindly making a bunch of food and giving it away and then talking to everybody really. And all the conversations of everyone who's been in the restaurant, right. From the governor to the garbage man, all those, all those connections that we've made over the years in our restaurants really paid off today to be able to say to folks, there's hungry people. This is what you're doing. How can you, this is what we are doing. How can you help me? And everybody has just been really good. In those conversations, this is an interesting part because Sometimes small independent restaurants, one, are just so in the weeds that they can't look outside their four walls. And two, don't feel like they maybe are given permission to be able to speak to the governor, 
to legislators, to the USDA, all these different conversations that you're having now, maybe talk to that because they do have permission and they should be active voices in that part of the community. Well, you know, being in Sacramento, we're seven blocks from the Capitol. And so uh, we get a lot of our businesses from people who get paid a lot to go talk to these people and not so much now. And it's been great to see in here where the Independent Restaurant Coalition, James Beard Foundation, others really come to the forefront in Congress to push this stuff really uh, forward. But the truth is that five years ago, I had I would be in meetings in Sacramento where people would say to me, what are you doing here? Or even worse, point to someone else and say, why is there a cook in this meeting? Like, dude, because we bring the community together. Right. And this is what we do. And then so now in this instance, all those people are coming to us because they have a problem and they don't know how to solve it. And we're chefs. Right. And we're in the fucking weeds and let's go. And so now those those relationships that we built have come to a place where we get to say, hey, I need your help, where the, the secretary of food and agriculture says we want to make sure that we're helping the small farmers what would you do to create a program that makes that work? Because we've talked to people in the USDA before about food stamps and childhood nutrition. Now they know that we're a connection and all of a sudden they're coming back. And it's funny because we don't think about this when we're in the weeds and we're cooking and we're mad at the fucking guy who showed up hungover and, and this isn't going out right. Is that, is that those people value us and, and then those people who are lobbyists. So when they say, oh, have you considered talking to someone at the USDA? And you say, well, I talked to undersecretary so-and-so. You're like, oh, I can't get to him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I talked to him last night twice. Uh, You know, well, have you tried it in California? Yeah, I talked to Karen Ross, the secretary of food and ag. Oh, did you talk to her office or did you? No, no, she called me on the phone, right? She's my friend. She's a customer, right? And she said, how do we fix this? So restaurants are really in a, chefs are really in a great position to say that we we can we know that we can make things different. And it's also, when this is over, we're going to be able to sit down and acknowledge, and everyone else is going to have to acknowledge just how important restaurants and our hospitality community is to the fabric of our society. I could not agree more. You know, it's it's been shifting so much since, let's say, the 70s and 80s, where being a chef or a cook, you were the help, right? To a point where all of a sudden we became... It was like celebrity and we didn't quite know how to handle that, but we became the cool kids and that was a strange situation. And now to be at the, the table, to have a seat at the table and know that you are given permission to be able to, what you think might be punching above your weight, but really that's exactly where you should be because essential is a word that we throw up a lot, but so essential, not only just to the community itself, but you're now seeing to the complete infrastructure and supply chain and logistical operations in the entire state like California. And so I appreciate that you're kind of bringing that to light. And so when you're kind of thinking about using that voice and you mentioned the small farmers, I'm very interested in that and very interested just in who else it is that's kind of being a part of this. I know you mentioned uh, Cisco to me, I wanna touch on just the different partnerships and the different people that are now coming out of the woodworks potentially to support this effort. Yeah, so I'm happy. Thank you for mentioning Cisco and their support has been tremendous. Like this is not something that they would usually do, but they have been all in and that's Cisco California and national as well. Nyman Ranch has come to the table once they heard about what we're doing to ask how they can help 
in our hearts and minds, right? We know in Sacramento that our local produce company, Produce Express, when I started 20 years ago, they had five local farms. And because of their work, they're up to usually about 49 or 50 on a weekly cut sheet of those small local farms. And those guys have just been tremendous as well. And two, you know what? The government, they already mentioned uh, the Secretary of Food and Ag and her assistance, people in the Capitol who have been super uh, kind and generous with their time and efforts and in digging into stuff. And then big organizations, um, No Kid Hungry, coming out and saying, hey, I love what you guys are doing. You're working with the school districts. How do we help you? And the cool part for me is that Sometimes then, then you, I'd get into these conversations and people would start saying, well, how come that person hasn't helped or you haven't mentioned? And, the tr- and you just think like, motherfucker, we're, we're just working as hard as we can and we're just charging right out. And at one point, someone said to me, well, why hasn't the James Beard Foundation done more? Like, mm-hmm. are you fucking kidding me? Have you looked at the CARES Act, right? That's pushing from their advocacy piece. And I just... I'm doing, we're doing our piece, what we're doing out here. And we know we are fellow travelers. And when we get together, we're ready. So when I talked to the, the vice president for impact there about that, you know, someone saying, well, James Beard wasn't involved. She just said, oh, fuck, Patrick, just tell them you are James Beard. That's fine. We're behind you. Um, yeah. So v? it's cool, right? Because it's the restaurant, it's the restaurant piece, right? We know as a chef, you walk into the kitchen and see what's needed. Right. And then you just start doing it. Sometimes it's washing dishes. Sometimes it's hitting the grill. Sometimes it's going back to refill the guys six pans that are getting empty. Sometimes it's just patting them on the ass and giving them a Coke. Right. But yeah. but that that idea of what we do as a restaurant, which is find out where the look at, see where the weak point in the system is and fill it in as best you can, as quick as you can. We know now in this instance that there's thousands of restaurant people all across millions of people all across the country who are doing that exactly. And, and you don't have to look to see, right? Like I know, I know, right? My boys and girls, you guys, you guys are on my team. And I don't have to look to see whether you're doing the right thing because I know you're doing the best you can. Yeah, so true. It Was it uh, V Spear that you talked to at the James Beard? Yeah, I talked to Vetus all the time, yep. And then uh, Catherine Miller's her, uh, her boss. Yep. But yeah, but but those guys. So think about what those guys are doing with advocacy pieces, helping me tread through the world of the USDA and FEMA and emergency services and Department of Labor in Washington D.C. I'm helping them a little bit with stuff going on in California. We're all trying to figure out how we present something to the industry as a whole. Like what happens when we reopen? What does that look like? And how do we make sure? as the restaurant community that when that we're not given something that we have to do, but that we're in on the conversation about what it looks like when we reopen, because we want to make sure we want to be healthy, right? And we want to be safe for everybody, but we want to be in on the conversation. And, and sometimes people, you know, sitting in an office just say, Oh, I think this is what you should do. But that's not, that's not reality, right? We want to be able to bring reality to the conversation. And organizations like that, Independent Restaurant Coalition, NRA, all those folks have really helped put us at the table. Yeah, and I think being, again, proactive and kind of owning your own resources and being a part of the conversation is going to be so important. Because it's also easy for restaurants, we're, we're a surly bunch, so it's easy for us to be like, well, fuck those guys. They don't know what it takes. 
well, then you better get over there and tell them what it takes and make yep. sure that those lines of communication are clear and open because it can actually make a difference. Clearly, one voice. And it's okay. And it's okay to say fuck a lot too, right? I mean, not to everybody. So they actually, in Sacramento, there's a joke that if they want me not to say fuck when I give a public speech, they have the congresswoman sit in front of me because she's a nice lady. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's right. But that We're truth up. is that, that it's super important now for anybody who's listening to call your congressmen, your senators, and even, even perhaps more importantly, call your mayors and your state representatives and your local representatives and ask them to call up the line for you. For, for those guys, for the guys in City Hall to say, hey, you know what, Patrick's having a tough time to the congressperson so that, so that it moves up. Because the more, here's where we get our strength. We, we can see we get our strength from numbers. And we can now, it's now is the time to capitalize on the goodwill that we have in the community, right? Yeah, then people are seeing how, again, essential this is. Not just to, to feed and nourish people, but like a sense of community is created in that simple exchange of, of food. Like it's so, it's so powerful. And so I really appreciate that. And the point that you made of just calling, I think it's interesting because in restaurants, when you call and ask to talk to a manager, it's like a douchey thing, right? (laughs) Yep. You're filling out a Yelp review for your mayor or something. It's like, that's not what it is. What it is is giving proper feedback, utilizing the channel that's out there it's having a team meeting, like it's having lineup just to yep. say where, we're at, what's going on, what do we need, how do we execute? And so I think that's an important distinction because sometimes it feels like you're calling up to complain about your cold soup and that's yeah. not what it is. Yeah, and you're riding out on people. But the truth is that in this time, particularly when those guys, nobody had, nobody's ever seen this before. Nobody has any idea what's going on. So if you're saying here's a way to go better and here's how we – come together it's really good and and that value that restaurants have right so when people ask about the future and no one knows how long or what it looks like specifically when we come out of this on the other side but here's what i think is that we as restaurateurs by having people come and breaking bread help strengthen the fabric of our communities and that need for gathering and being a part of the community is never going to change and so while i'm afraid for many of my partners in the in the restaurant world I know at the end of the day, there is a need and a value for what we do. And it is showing as one of the highest needs and values for sure. Thinking about your people and in this moment, right? We talked about the very beginning, how you had 54 people laid off. You had to figure out a way. Curbside wasn't going to do it. it. It seemed very singularly focused on something that might create some revenue for the restaurant versus putting the most people back to work. When you're cooking thousand pounds of rice or 400 pounds of turkey <laughs> numbers of dishes where you're like they don't even do that at giant banquets at these big right. it's like you're cooking at the super bowl kind of thing which is not usually what you're doing i know and so putting your people to work in that way and allowing them to very simply interact with food and be able to nourish hundreds and hundreds of people like talk about that dynamic because i know that has to feel really good for you and for them so it feels really good. It is strange, though, right? We got a donation of a mule foot hog, which beautiful, right? 250-pounder, just gorgeous, right? And as soon as it came in, everybody's initial reaction was bacon, gabagol. Okay, we're, we're hanging the legs for, uh, for prosciutto, right? I want to do a porchetta. And I was like, 
boys and girls, this is for feeding. This is not, this is not for charcuterie, right? We're going to put this bad boy out on the grill in front and smoke it low and slow. And then we're going to have some carnitas and we're going to have some curry. And that, yeah. so that 250 pound pig ended up feeding a thousand people, right? So that's a total change, but the same, but what was the same is that they were saying to, just as we always do, to everybody up the line from that pig to the purveyor, thank you for donating your time and your life in the instance of the pig to this. And we are going to give that away with grace as much as we can. And that piece is the same, right? And that piece is the same. And it keeps us going, right? Because this is what we do. And it's not, and it's not because someone's getting money and a lot of the guys aren't getting paid and I mean, people are here because this is what we do. It's not, it's not a question of whether we should or shouldn't be here. It's a reason that we must be here, right? In a time of need, how do we contribute? We cook, right? That's what we do. And so it's values, right? Which is really pretty cool for a bunch of, you know, I mean, restaurant people can be scumbags sometimes, right? We're famous to be pirates. And so the idea that all of a sudden, wow, we find, we're finding our better angels every day. It's, it's great. We are that band of, of rebels, the island of misfit toys, all that. Yet when called to service, there isn't a moment of hesitation to be able to be of service and to cook. And I'm very interested, the 250-pound pig, see the smile on my face. <laughs> so much fat, it's ridiculous. And I'm very interested in that one moment where they said, ooh, leg of prosciutto. Oh, we're going to make guanciala. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he said, we're going to roast that sucker. We're going to season yep, it yep. properly and we're going to feed a thousand people that that becomes such a, a seminal moment coming out of this because now we're thinking about food in a very different way. It's not about being a chef. It's purely about being the conduit to feed people. Do you see yourself now thinking about your own restaurant coming out of this when you take five seconds after cooking all this food? <laughs> How do I capture that essence and deliver it moment by moment every day for our internal guests and the external guests, because I think it's important. If we stop caring so much about the prosciutto and caring about speeding the people, I think the prosciutto will get a lot better. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong, man. We have, we have, cause it was a mule foot hog. We have a bunch of lardo hanging in the background <laughs> curing. And, um, but yeah, so for, so for us at, at the BNL, right. It's always been about, welcome right that that's the first word you hear when you come in it's the feeling that we trust that you'll leave with at the end of your meal here and we express that through food right and so i think in many ways that's part of what's going to continue and the other part for me that's been really uh, satisfying is a couple of years ago we we uh, had 15 suicides in sacramento right in the hospitality industry we created a thing called i got your back and so we started talking about uh, mental health and hospitality and how it was going to work. And the end of that first year was just brutal. There was four people who died by suicide in four weeks in December. And then we started. We, we, changed the, the, we changed the climate. We made it so that it was okay not to be okay. We have, my wife had a little box, and you come in and put a temperature check in. I'm happy. I'm neutral. I'm angry. I'm in the weeds. And then, and then at lineup, you say, okay, here's where it is. Most people happy, two, two neutrals. Dan's angry. Okay, we know that one guy. But there's three people in the weeds tonight. What are you going to do to help us have a successful night? What are we going to do to make sure that those three people are going to do well? And if you're one of those three people, 
What can we do for you? And what are you going to learn from tonight so that next time you'll be able to help the next person who's in the weeds? It's fucking great, man. It's just changed the way. When we started this whole process, someone came to me and said, so, so you're done with mental health? Is that it? There's a virus and now you're in? And I was like, okay, fuck, really, dude? I just fired 54 people. But they were right, right? And I went back and looked. And what I saw was our staff is still doing it that on their text change, that they're reaching out to the people who they think are sensitive, that when we had our first leadership meeting, the first thing that came up for conversation, not directed by me, was how is everyone doing? I talked to this one. I talked to that one. I talked to this person said they're checking in on her. Hey, everybody, let's split this up. I got busboys. I got cooks. I got waiters. I got banquet people. And so the stuff is moving forward, right, so that we know that this process that we've been going through for the last two years is really another big reason to help right so every week someone gets checked in on right by us verbally today right now folks are coming in to get their family meal we have it's uh fourth of july it's uh cinco de mayo right so we have margaritas and carnitas and uh again the mule foot hog we did take the chicharron and we uh put that into refries in the in the uh thing just so you think i'm no one should think i'm a saint uh but anyway they, they come in and get their boxes of food and then that gives us a chance to see how they're doing physically, put eyes on, gives them a chance to reconnect, stay connected, let us know if there's something right we can see. You can tell, right, if they need help. And then also gives them a chance to see some of their comrades so that everybody gets a chance to, to maintain, right? Because what do we do in restaurants? We provide hospitality. We provide welcome. We provide family. And in this time of physical distancing, what we do most of all is provide social connection. And we start that with our staff. And if we do that successfully with the staff, we're going to move it out successfully to the community as well. Because they're going to be beacons for that, yep. that yep. sense of belonging and being. And so I really appreciate it. Welcome is a new word. I've been absorbing words into my lexicon, momentum, grit, welcome. These are words that now I'm going to use all the time because I think they're importantly powerful. We're seeing that play out. And so I really appreciate because we just, we do, we have such a tough guy, tough gal mentality that like we are unflappable in a sea of tickets and we almost thrive <laughs> on bad news. Like give me bad news. Table 22 is long. Got to refire on that, that pork and all these things. We go, Ooh, I got it. No news. Right. Really hard for us. It means right. Have you ever cooked in a restaurant before? <laughs> It can be really rough. And so that check-in, I think, is is so, so important. And if you just make it normal, it's not like, hey, what's wrong with you right now? It's not that. It's like, let's check in because that's a moving target. Because it's not the-, the temperature check that we do in the restaurant. What happens is the magic happens when you're buffing silverware, pulling mats, making stock, picking herbs. Then you're having those conversations. Hey, are you really all right? So this year, at Christmas this year, uh, someone came in, a busboy came in, gotten thrown out of his house. And talk to the purple hand, it's the person on the floor who's, who's we have talking about mental health issues. And she looked at him and said, are you okay? And he said, no, I'm thinking about suicide. Boom. We got him in a room. We got him services. It took a couple of hours calling everybody. Where is he at? Is he safe? Yes, he's good. And they took him out. I didn't, actually didn't see him because I was washing dishes because someone else didn't come in that day. But I saw him at the end and they took him away, put him in an ambulance, got him, got him out. And he left and I was crying. It's pretty emotional, right? Plus the anniversary. And Yana, one of our servers, hugged me and said, hey, chef, 
He was brave enough to ask for help. He trusted us enough to ask us, and we knew what to do. And last year, four people didn't have that option. That's it. That's unbelievably important. So interesting how this conversation started as you guys are feeding other people, yet really you're feeding the soul of your community and continuing to do that. And that starts with your people because they are the closest. They are that that nuclear family that I think is so important that we forget about because we're so focused on hospitality for that external guest. We often forget to take care of ourselves. So I but appreciate this week it. We, this week we uh, did, uh, so we do family meals every fourth Monday. Can't have 200 people in the restaurant now anymore. So this week we put out on last Tuesday, hey, would you guys want to buy a bottle of Red Breast Irish whiskey for 100 bucks and the proceeds will go to the staff? And within four days we'd sold 130 of them. Holy shit. Yeah, it was pretty good. So we That's want to give a shout out to Red Breast Irish Whiskey. Yeah, I'm scribbling. I got a lot of shout outs to tag in this episode. I'm really glad about that. That's really important because it takes a village to, to say the yep. least at this time. Where can people in the Sacramento area get connected or anybody across the country to reach out to you? Because clearly you guys are moving and shaking and making things happen. And I think it's a model that people everywhere need to kind of pay attention to. And sometimes we just don't know where to start. But you give somebody in the hospitality industry the starting point and they'll yep. go. They'll make it happen. So uh, sacfamilymeal.com. Okay. Uh, mental health or to get to me, uh, I got your back. I got your back dot info. I think you can just send or you can send it to let's talk at I got your back dot info or okay. just straight to me here at the shop at info at mulvaneysbl.com. Yeah, we got to scribble down. We'll get all those tagged up so everybody knows exactly where to go, what to do, who's involved. And what I'm excited about is clearly that is going to continue to grow. So we'll keep checking in with you guys and see if we can't add more and more people to the list of participating restaurants because that's, that's what this is going to be about. We're going to continue to build upon that uh any last thoughts from you before we get a couple playlist items from you no that's it man i mean we feel there these are hard days but it seems like the hard days are what what form you and i'm really proud of everybody who's here right who's just come in and stepped up to the plate and started kicking ass and there's so many there's so many of them that there's been no time for the whiners right we haven't heard any we haven't heard from table 22 saying that their soup was cold yeah. <laughs> right because there's so so much so much good to focus on yeah we see it people are showing their kindness because we're not caught up in the minutia of what we do and how we do it it's just pure hospitality the purest form connect with another human being and break bread with them to your point so appreciate that amazing unbelievable so many things to tag because you guys are hustling for sure and you the level of inclusion that you have not only are the people that I expect, I expected you to find a couple other restaurants that have that same hustle and same high integrity, but the fact that so many shout outs for the Karen Rosses and the USDA and FEMA and, and you know, all these different NRA organizations that are involved, I think is important. We need to include more people in the conversation so that more people include us in their conversation. So great there. All right, a couple of playlist items. As you're cooking a whole, what does one listen to on their on their earbuds when they're cooking a whole mule foot hog. What's a couple of playlist items you can give us? Actually, so this week this week it's been a little uh, Vicente Fernandez, right? When we put the pig on, and then we finished with a little old school. Uh, we were listening to uh, 
some black flag and minor threat as we were cutting the pig up, right, to, to check that out. Generally in the morning, we're going to start with a little, because uh, I come in first, right, so I can put on a dead show and have the tapes playing while they're going. But it's cool to see everybody's, everybody's different music coming in to play everywhere, right? Yeah, you have and all then, these micro moods that you're creating uh, throughout. Right, so, that they're, so that they're different. So it's funny because there's guys who are saying, oh, I never heard that song before, right? So we, uh, we were listening to Minor Threat playing Stepping Stone, and someone said, oh, that's, that's, that's a cool song. I like that. And someone else said, oh, no, that's a Sex Pistols song. And I said, no, actually, that's a monkey song because I'm older than both of you. <laughs> so it's good to, to bring the music across the ages to see where it all comes from. I love it because it's all just about managing energy right now. And all yep. those different eras bring different energies. So I appreciate it. Patrick Mulvaney, amazing conversation, amazing work that you're doing. I'm excited that we got to talk. I'm excited to see what happens next. I'm sure that the leadership that you're showing and your whole team is showing is going to extend beyond this crazy shit called COVID-19. It's cool. Hey, you, you know what? The other thing is if they're done listening to this and they're not tired of me, they can go check out. We just had a segment on the Today Show on awesome. uh, sunday so they're yes. there there today show on sunday i will find that and we'll get it and, linked up Patrick. and then i and then i just started reading uh the vile evil and the vile it's about winston churchill in the first year of uh of world war ii because i wanted to see what a real leader looked like that's couldn't be that is one of the most quotable men in history and and true leadership for sure so patrick i appreciate you take care Have a all great right day. thanks brother appreciate you ciao I'm so, so impressed. Every single day that I get to do this show, I'm so impressed with the humans in hospitality. You know, just a chef out there trying to figure out how to come up with a spring menu and asparagus. And you mentioned fava beans and English peas and kind of getting into that, that groove and being chefy and, and creating amazing experiences. And like that, all of a sudden, just thrown into turmoil and then go right to let's put people to work. Let's feed people and let's have important conversations. And so you'll see a lot of stuff coming from tagging this. I think he's definitely set the groundwork for some serious work and big takeaway. You have permission. If you are uh, working in a restaurant, own a restaurant or a part of your community to speak to the people that are pulling the levers at this time or any time you are given permission to be able to be a part of that conversation because it's going to have an impact on you. That was a big takeaway that you can't slink away from it because you don't have the authority, the prestige, the whatever barrier you think is in your place or somebody tries to throw up in front of you. It's not real. You have permission. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the best served podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.